With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. At last, we are back. Helping behaviorally challenging students is finally back live on the air. After an all-too-long hiatus due to various scheduling conflicts, this is Dr. Ross Green coming to you live from the offices of Lives in the Balance here in Portland, Maine, and finally, we're back doing what we're supposed to be doing again. Cool, eh? Um, I thought we were going to have our first edition of Anytown Elementary School today. But I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Thankfully, we have a bunch of email that has piled up of people looking to get their questions answered on this program. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to start answering those emails. And then if uh, the folks from Anytown Elementary should happen to call in. Um, we'll bring them on the air live and get in our first Anytown Elementary program. Now, last year, I did um, Anytown High School with uh, a high school in the eastern time zone of North America. And by the way, the Anytown Elementary folks have just called in. This year, we are going to be featuring an elementary school. Um, and so the email, it looks like, are going to have to wait because I recognize the area code. I'm not going to say it, but Anytown Elementary is in the western time zone of the United States. And now, without any advanced preparation whatsoever, Anytown Elementary, don't tell people where you are. <laughs> How are you? We're fine. Thank you. How many Thank of you. you do we have today? Well, we're actually, they're just joining us. One went to, my counselor went to actually send you uh, an interview that we've had with a student. So he's trying to get it through, but the um, the size of the Gmail account that we're sending it to through to you okay. is, isn't big enough. So we're just well, trying to figure out another way. To... On the, you're live on the air. Okay. So we're not going to be able to listen to what you're sending today, but we can certainly play it the next time. We have you on the air, which I believe will be in two weeks, because next okay. week is the um, educators panel on this radio program. And so okay. here's what I'm thinking we could do today. I know that let's let's just introduce people to your school today. And if we don't take the full 45 minutes, we don't. I was telling people before you came on that um, there's a bunch of email that I can answer today as well. But let's Introduce people to what we're going to be doing here uh, sure. with Anytown Elementary. Um, okay. um, not Nobody knows where you are. They know that you're in the western time zone of North America. Okay. 
Um, that's all they know, and that's all they're going to know. We're going to use pseudonyms for your teachers and pseudonyms for your students. But here's one of the features this time that we didn't have with any town high school. We are actually going to be playing actual recordings of you all doing Plan B and maybe even using the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems in meetings straight from the real McCoy in your building. That's correct. That's correct. We have And that that is quite a feature. But here's mm-hmm. the deal. We're not going to be able to do that today. Well, so we, here's I don't what, know if we can, but maybe. Okay. We we can't cuz I don't I don't actually have the technology to play it on the program today. Okay. So whether I get it or not, I'm not going to be able to play it. All right. Let let's introduce people to your school. Sure. Um well, I'm I'm the principal of an inner city school. Um we are about 450 students, and we have a social development program, which is a program for students who really struggle getting into a class. And so they're from all over our district that come in. There are 10 students in there. And we um, got into CPS, or your program, uh, Dr. Green, from reading your book. So in 2011, June of 2011, I purchased your book, Lost at School, for all of our staff at school, not just our teachers, for all of our staff, including our secretaries and our custodians and everybody, our child care workers, our educational assistants, because I felt it's really important that if it's a program that we're going to take on with kids, that everybody should know where we're coming from. So I gave that as their homework for the summer. And I think I bought 62 books, and people read it, and then we had Summer Pro-D in August. So when we came back in August... Everybody had read the book. We were all sitting in our gymnasium because that's the only place that we can fit everybody in. We had the big screen down, and we were talking about the book, what we felt about it, what we thought would work. And then I had you up on the big screen, and we played all sorts of different snippets from your Lives in the Balance uh, website. And we just started to brainstorm about how we could have this start in our school. My counselor, who is very well-trained, in all sorts of therapies and different ways of getting kids and parents together and helping them work together through some problems that they're having, really loves your program. And he thinks it's the best thing out there on the market to work with kids. It is the best thing that we have done so far to work with kids and their parents. It's really important, we believe, that um, the students make that connection with their teachers because they are the closest ones to them. And I know that lots of times we, in the past, have had kids go off and talk to other people in the community, but we believe that making that relationship with their teacher is the best thing that we can do because they're the only ones that know them inside out and what they're doing within the classroom and the problems that they're having and are able to go through sort of the all steps with them. So the first year, we had probably about three teachers who were on board. We didn't push it. We just asked when problems were coming into us about kids, we'd say, so how do you want to handle this? Do you want to try CPS? Do you want to do an LSAP? Do you want to try Plan B? And we had three teachers that were keen. So we started with them, and it was slow, and it's slow It's slow now. It's hard. It's not an easy thing to become good at, and we are constantly working on it. But those three teachers had such a good result, a positive result, that I had them talk at our monthly staff meetings about what they felt was going on and if they felt that they were making progress. And they did. They felt that they were making really good progress with 
not only the students in their room that were struggling, but with their parents, because that's such a huge part is having the parents on board. So from there, um, we kind of hit into June, and then we did another Pro-D in last summer. We talked about other people wanting to get on board. And now I think we have, I think it's 12 teachers on board, and we are 12 teachers out of, we have 20 divisions in our school. 12 teachers on board, all our childcare workers, we have three full-time childcare workers are on board, and it's working great. Fabulous. And so far, you have done this all on your own. Yes. With no help from me or any of my colleagues, you're doing it. Yep, that's right. <laughs> we are. We're doing it, and one of the, we have applied for different grants because I think I told you when I met you earlier in the year when we finally did get to come to one of your workshops that you do that we believe that we need to give time within the day to validate how important this is. And I know that there are 15 minutes at recess and there's time after school that teachers can come in and that parents can come in. But to show that how much I value what we do as teachers and as staff members in the school, I wrote a grant to our district and was able to get some money and a teacher who now frees up the teachers oh, wow. throughout the week to come and have those important Plan B conversations with the kids. So That's I think fabulous. that was key in getting our teachers on board. So my mm-hmm. counselor is actually in charge of making up all the schedules. So there's a schedule that goes, I think it's three days a week that we've been given, that there's time slots within the day. And it really... I don't know, it just empowers our staff to uh, get on board and be part of it. And one of the really cool things was, I guess it was just before Christmas, a teacher came to me and with a, a, a big issue that was going on with one of her students in her class. And she said, you know what, Susan, I want to do collaborative problem solving with this one. And I said, that's fantastic. And she had never done it before. So now she's on board and she's working with my counselor and with the childcare worker and with herself and meeting with parents and meeting with this child, and it's just, it's it's fascinating on how well this works because we're empowering children to solve problems that they're having within their life. And it's really, um, it's kind of an aha moment when you are talking with a child and, and you're actually hearing them. And I know one of my big things when I have students that actually make it to my office for whatever reason, my question is always I want, you know, I want you to feel listened to. If there's a time that you're not feeling listened to, you need to let me know. And then I'll ask some questions as we're going through what's happening. Well, what do you think? What's happening for you? And it's really important that everybody feels listened to. I had a parent who was very, very anxious on Friday about his child who was, he was very, very much out of control, um, slamming his hands against the windows in the school, kicking the walls, throwing over desks, throwing chairs, you know. We've all had, we've all got those kids in our schools. But I talked with the father about coming because we needed to have a conversation, and we needed this child to go home right then because there was no way that we could. We had tried for about 45 minutes to sort of get him to a place where he would was in a private room so that we wouldn't be disrupting the school, and it was difficult. But when I called the parent and had a conversation with him on the phone about wanting to get together because we all needed to work together, his anguish just, his anxiety just dropped. And he became, mm-hmm. he was he was thanking me at the end of our conversation about wanting to work together and just making it work for his son. And it's because of this 
this method, this program, that it makes it, I think, doable to work with the parents and with the students at our school. And we have many that come with issues, that's for sure. Good. What struggles have you run into? What struggles have we run into? You know, I'm going to put you on speakerphone because I now have my counselor and one of my childcare workers with me, and I know that they'll want to get involved in this conversation too. Just one second. Outstanding. Hi, guys. Can you hear? I can hear, yes. Ross, are you still there? We are still here along with many other people who are listening to you. Great. So Ross just asked, um, what struggles have we had? Oh, you mean in the school generally? In the school generally or with working with CPS, you need to move up. Oh, okay. If implementing the model in particular. Implementing the model. Oh, okay. Well, uh, this is Ron. Uh, should I use my name? You can use your first name. You I should think not. Ron. This is Ron. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, the. Uh, I've been working, uh, doing a, a number of interviews with teachers, and uh, I think we have a great staff here, which really is important. But I think we still struggle uh, with the empathy step. It's very difficult to put our concerns behind and just emphasize the child's concerns. You know, like that idea of the your idea of the emp- the uh, um, solution-free zone. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that that so. Uh, for example, I um, I did send you an interview. Uh, by email. Yep, I got it. Yeah, and uh, I, I, uh, I didn't. I, I got a chance to listen to it once, and it's interesting how we got off track so often. We started talking about why the child should be doing X or could have been doing Y, or the effect of their behavior on other children. But um, you know, it just as you well know, it just doesn't it doesn't help getting the process going. <laughs> it is very hard to drill for information, and it is very hard to um, drill for information without adult concerns interfering. And I think that that's probably the hardest part of doing all of Plan B. There are hard parts of other um, of some of the other steps, but there's no question. I always say that the place where people um, run aground the most and throw in the towel the most, unfortunately, is in the empathy step when they're having difficulty drilling for information and when they are having difficulty um, keeping their concerns reserved for the um, define the problem step. Very hard. Yes. And Doable, one of the things I noticed... Take I mean, a little practice. I think it's, it's really a good idea to tape these interviews because it, it really helps you uh, clean up your act... <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've been thinking that we would use some of these tapes with our staff and have them critique them as Perfect. well sort of in the group forum with the staff that are participating in the collaborative problem solving so that we can get better 
at what we're doing in these conversations with kids and with their parents. So the good news is you're going to get a lot of help with that as I listen to your recordings and as I play them on the air so that everybody can benefit from hearing them. And that's really, quite frankly, the most exciting part about what we're about to embark on is people who are our listeners, not only you all, but people who are are our listeners are going to be hearing the recordings of your attempts to do Plan B, and they're going to um, be hearing the feedback that I give you after we play them, and it's really quite exciting. Um, And uh, we're not going to play the recording you sent today because we didn't quite uh, get our act together on this program on time. But to tell you the truth, this is what I was hoping we would do on this program anyways. I would like people to know your school um, before we start um, hearing recordings from your school. Um, Yes, that's one of the parts of Plan B that is hard. And the good news is that part of Plan B, the empathy step, is hard for everybody are there any logistical things that have been hard in your school, either be, either in trying to get teachers on board or because of the types of kids who you're serving or the neighborhood you're in? Does any of that come into play as it relates to you trying to get this moving in your building? Would you like me to say something here? Well, sure. I, 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 we did mention about having the extra, the extra teacher to help us out, but, Ron, do you want to expand on that? I think... Uh, even though we've had about five hours a week of coverage to do either assessments or to do the interviews, um, being a school, there are so many things going on that it's even, like for example, uh, right now we're not doing any assessments because we've done about, oh, 12 or 15 of them. And so we're concentrating on covering the teacher for about 20 minutes so that they can uh, have some private time to talk to the student and have a problem-solving conversation. But there's so many things that go on in a school that it's very difficult uh, to... I I think logistically we will figure it out, but we've just started uh, providing those 20-minute slots for the teachers to do the interviews. I think we will work it out in the end, but it's been hard for them, even even though they're, they're getting coverage, it's hard for them to take advantage of it because the, a school is just an extremely busy place. The other thing was we started at the beginning of the year giving more time to teachers to do the ALSAPs, to talk that through, to figure out if they wanted to be on board. So the time span was longer. I think were we giving like over an hour yeah. at that time? And so since January, we discussed in December that we'd like to cut back that time to give more teachers time within a week to meet with their students that they're working with. So we we kind of decided that we would stop at what we're at right now, not entertain taking on any more students with the CP, mm-hmm. with the collaborative problem solving, until we got this sort of underway in a kind of moving in a slick way where it was actually happening every, well, every day or three times a week. I think, and what you all are dealing with, grappling with, quite frankly, is time. Yes. And you all have been fortunate enough to receive some grant money that helped you 
deal with the time issue by having the funds to hire somebody new. Um, that is a luxury many schools won't have. We won't hold that against you, of course. You still <laughs> have to do Plan B well. Um, uh, I always tell people that a meeting in which the ALSIP is being used as a discussion guide should, once people get the hang of it, take about 45 to 50 minutes. And that getting the hang of it mostly means sticking to, in the meeting, lagging skills and unsolved problems and getting rid of a lot of the hypothesizing and theorizing and storytelling that often goes on in uh, meetings um, because that will take you away from lagging skills and unsolved problems and that also uh, causes you to talk about things that you really can't do much about. Um, so it might not be terrible to see if we can get a uh, meeting recorded uh, or at least part of one in which the ALSIP is being used in a discussion as a discussion guide in your school um, just so that we can have people hearing that as well. As I always say, it all begins with the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. So we certainly want to make sure that you all have that down pat as well, given that you are, for the remainder of this school year, sort of our emblematic school that is trying to get going on this, um, like so many schools are. Where, where you all are at is where so many schools are at. They've red lost at school. They've started small. Of course, that's always my recommendation. Start small. Don't start big. Sounds like you all started with three people. It has now expanded to 12. Now we've got to make sure that the ELSIP is being done well and that Plan B is being executed well. Do you think you have more behaviorally challenging students in your building than most schools in your neck of the woods? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely we do. We have stats to prove that. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, so that's why we're not going to hold it against you that you were able to find this funding to hire an extra teacher to facilitate all of this. We're going to say that the great um, leveler is the fact that you have way more behaviorally challenging students than a lot of schools in your neck of the woods. And so, um, all right, we'll, we'll call it a level playing field. How's that? That sounds good. You know, there are times when... Uh, an issue comes into my office or whatever, and I wonder whether, like, is this a collaborative problem-solving time, or or do I just deal with this as I normally would because it doesn't seem as severe or, you know, sort of explosive as some other ones. And when I talk to my colleagues at other schools, they can't believe the things that we deal with, and I'm always saying, I can't make this stuff up. So do me a favor. Without naming names, no identifying information, when you say that, what kinds of things are you referring to? Well, we I just want to make sure uh, that the folks who are listening here uh, and are listening from schools um, know that you're the real McCoy. Sure. Uh, we had a student uh, just on Friday who did not want to go to class, did not want to participate in what was going on. So he decided that he was on a rampage and he was actually shouting that through the hallways, banging on windows and in that go into the doors, kicking the doors, as I said, throwing over chairs, 
throwing over desks. We had three people trying to uh, actually get him into a, a small area where he wasn't disturbing the rest of the school. He was going down the hallway at a fairly quick rate, slamming all the doors that were left open, so it was now disrupting the entire school. And it's those types of things that we're, that we're dealing with, and that, that's not a one-off. Like, that does happen. We had a student last week who just refused to go into his classroom because his sister had hit him on the way to school. And so we were having a huge issue with him being underneath the table and swinging things around and, and just absolutely refusing swearing at people. And the biggest line here is, you're not the boss of me, um, biting, biting other kids, biting people that you're with. Uh, we had, that was just two incidents that happened actually on Friday of last week, and that was only two. And so this morning I was in a classroom, grade one classroom, where a boy was refusing to sit on the carpet because it's something that they start their day off doing, doing calendar time. He refused to do it. He He's six years old but went into baby talk, me, me you can't make do this, me hungry, he had grabbed something from the floor and was throwing it around. He refused to sit next to anybody in the classroom. And at that point, I was actually just trying to get him out of the room, saying, could you please come with me? I'll, you know, I'll get you something to eat. And he just wanted to go home. I want to go home. Take me home. Call my mom. And we finally, you know, conjoled him out into the hallway and down to the counselor's office where Ron spent some time talking with him and with his mother, who came in very soon after that. And he um, is actually one of the ones that we are trying to do the collaborative problem solving with and working very closely with the mom. So there's just, like, that was just you have, this morning. You and have credibility. Sorry, and I just you, you had have credibility. I just had another to come in upset with a student who refused to listen to what she wanted them to do, just to go go back into class. And they were saying, you can't make me, and I'm not going to do that, and no, and shouting it, and so she went to a, a mode of trying to calm him down by basically trying to talk, chat with him uh, to get him to calm down and telling him that he didn't have to go to class and that we would try and figure out something later on today. Mm-hmm. So that's just Friday and today, and it's only noon. <laughs> All right. So you've, you've passed the credibility test. <laughs> One of the things that... Um, I'll say about all of those, and I have a question for you. Sure. Um, is that those are all emergent situations? Now you've already told us that you have um, more difficult students in your building than most. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious: are any of these kids kids? Were all of these surprises? Were any of these kids? kids that you had already had a discussion with the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems on, um, or were all of these kids who um, you hadn't even focused on yet as being potentially the targets of what you're trying to do here? Uh, actually, all three of them we're, are, on our, are on our sort of list. We've already done the ALSUP with them, and we are working with parents. Well, with Two of them for sure, and then the other one, uh, I, the one on Friday, I was, I've been working with his father, but we're just trying to get them. We're, we're at the process, we're at the time in with him, um, working with the parents to have them trust the school. 
The other two do trust the school, I believe, to a point. Um, they are in on a regular basis talking with their teacher and with the counselor and the child care worker. But honestly, at times it just becomes explosive. And I know when on the ALSEP we did try to choose one one problem that we were going to be working with. Am I right, Ron? One for each of those? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there are so many that um, we thought we started with the most of, I don't know, the, what do you think, Ron? Uh, well, just before I say that, one of the difficulties has been, though, with uh, those, uh, one of those kids that you're talking about, um, it's very difficult to find time uh, for the teachers to talk to him. Mm -hmm. And even though uh, I've, 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 made, I've offered many times to, to cover them, uh, there's so many things going on that they, they, they just feel like they can't leave the room. And that's been a source of frustration for me mm -hmm. because I don't think those, those private conversations are happening. Occasionally they are, but not on an ongoing basis. Uh, that's one of those situations. In another situation, there's there's two teachers, and it's been very hard to, like I think one of the teachers is, is having those conversations, but the other the other teacher is quite stressed by the situation and has found it very hard to have those conversations with the child. So it's working with one teacher, but not yet with the other. Mm -hmm. And in the third situation, the the mother uh, doesn't quite trust us yet, and unfortunately may be moving mm -hmm. uh, soon. And the child is so it's it's been a little bit difficult to 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 find to sort of concentrate on that one issue. Mm -hmm. um, Thinking yeah. of one other difficulty is that when. A teacher. I'm sorry, this is Ruth. She's a child care worker in our school. I'm just going to get her to pull up her chair. So I'm just thinking of another difficulty is when a teacher sees some success with a student and then it backtracks or it falls backwards a little bit, then they lose hope and kind of throw up their arms and say, okay, well, this isn't working. And I, I find that a difficulty too, is it, mm -hmm. to keep going with it. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be. 100% successful right off the bat. And the other, the other thing is, um, I, unfortunately, for some of our teachers, they kind of go to that default mode of this child is doing it on purpose. They're trying to manipulate me or manipulate the situation. And uh, even though we feel that we've gotten to a space where they are thinking collaboratively and using the ALSEP to help drive their conversations, that part I find very difficult to listen to because I know, you know, my childcare workers and my counselor are listening to it in a different angle, but then at the end of the day, I have teachers coming to me and they give me the other side of it. Well, I just think they're just doing this on purpose. And it's, it's a difficult conversation and it's difficult to wrap your head around that kids really aren't doing this to be purposeful or to get something out of it or to be manipulative. It's, it's a lagging skill that they need to be taught or they need to be listened to on how we can help them solve their problem. So that's when you know you asked at the beginning, uh, what are we finding difficult? I would say now having thought that this through, that's probably what I find the most difficult is those conversations at the end of the day 
when the teachers come to me to want to talk to me about their day, and and it's either the child's fault or the parent's fault. And that's, well, and this is always the, the one. The thing I would ask myself when that's being said mm-hmm. is whether this is a person who's already been exposed to the model or whether this is a person who's had no exposure whatsoever. One of the hard things, and therefore we wouldn't even be expecting them to alter their perspective yet because they haven't had the benefit of being exposed to the information yet. If it's somebody who hasn't been exposed, then we would probably attribute that to sort of this rather ragged period that occurs when you're starting small and you're not exposing everybody in the building to the model all at once. Now, you know, they may have had, they may have already read Lost at School or they may have been given the book, but that doesn't mean they've read it. They haven't really been engaged in the model yet. Um, I don't expect, you know, obviously your school has already done, made some significant headway just by reading the book and just by attending a workshop and just through your own efforts and sheer force of will. But um, we can't expect people who haven't really been immersed in it to have changed their mentality just yet. The, Of course, if you start big, something else bites you, and that is that while you have exposed everybody in the building to the model, nobody has kind of most people haven't gotten the kind of support they need in doing it and therefore when they do try to do it it usually doesn't go well in the beginning and now we have a sort of a groundswell of people who are discouraged rather than encouraged so i usually find that starting small even though there's disadvantages associated with it um, works out better than starting big which has bigger disadvantages associated with it Um, and you're also running into the issue of you have many students in your building whose piles of unsolved problems have grown so large that the beginning here is frequently very hard because you can't solve them all at once and you got to get the ball rolling somewhere but while you're getting the ball rolling somewhere other stuff is happening and you're still having bad episodes until you can get enough unsolved problems solved that you start to see those bad episodes start to decrease. So it's sounding to me that you're in the same spot as many schools that are rather early in the process, and that is you're putting the time in, you like it, you're starting to do some of it, To what degree you are seeing dramatic decreases in um, bad episodes, you may not quite be seeing that yet. You may be at the precipice of it, but a lot of the most challenging students in every building have such large piles of unsolved problems that, you know, you you get moving on one or two, but they're still getting upset over the rest. And it's hard to stay encouraged when that's happening. But the reality is the pile of unsolved problems of those students is quite large and it's going to take a while. It sounds like you all know that, but you also are knowing that things are a little ragged right now. Well, you know, it, it is. It actually, the, the teachers that do come in to see me are ones that have worked with our counselor and our child care worker on doing the LSUP. And I think, I think what happens is, you know, the, you get frustrated because you... <laughs> 
we want a quick fix, and this is not a quick fix. And I think that's that's usually the conversation that I have with the teachers is this isn't going to happen overnight. It's not. It's just not a quick fix. So that's kind of where we're at with with teachers who are struggling with it. But other teachers that are not part of the collaborative problem solving, haven't done the ALSAP, we actually don't try to get them engaged unless it's something that they want to do. It's really mm -hmm. important that uh, we work with the staff who who want to be engaged and want to be empowered with a, with a theory or with a program that we believe is going to work. I do want to say that we do have a student that we did struggle with last year and we did go through the ALSAP and we did um, work through collaborative problem solving with this young girl who's now in grade three, and it has just done unbelievably good things for her, and she is actually capable of being in a classroom full-time, talking with other students, engaging and making friends with her peers in other classes as well, and she is fully functioning in a classroom, whereas last year she was not. However, we were talking about how teacher dependent that is because she has a master teacher who is very much involved with social emotional learning and we were wondering after this year with her making such great strides and huge successes what will happen next year when she doesn't have that same teacher have you had any sort of history with that Ross well you can't um, escape the dynamics of personalities between teacher and student. It's inescapable. Um, even for a well-behaved student like me a very long time ago, there were, <laughs> there were teachers I felt really comfortable with and teachers I didn't feel comfortable with at all. Teachers who I got along really well with and teachers um, that I found extremely difficult to get along with. As a relatively well-behaved student, I had advantages over behaviorally challenging students, namely that I had the skills to deal with the ones who were harder to get along with or that at least I wasn't getting along as well with um, so that it didn't turn into a disaster. So bottom line is, um, and, and you know, my, my children who are 12 and 15 years old now have had teachers that they adored and teachers who they thought really were not so adorable. Um, so that's inescapable. Having said that, the goal is for the outcome to be as solution-dependent as possible rather than personality-dependent. In other words, if you all have a solution in place and it's working in 2013, in, in uh, spring 2013, the, the hope is that that solution will still be working in fall 2013 just because it's a solution that is working. And we're hoping that personality doesn't, isn't the make or break on whether a solution is going to work it or not. We don't, we don't want personality to be what makes or breaks a solution. We want the solution addressing both concerns and being realistic and mutually satisfactory to be what makes or breaks a given solution. That said, sometimes even the best solution doesn't work anymore 
four, five, six months later because the demands have changed, the circumstances have changed. But the goal is to really be focused on the solution and making sure that it's realistic and mutually satisfactory rather than the personalities about which we may not be able to do as much. Does that make sense? Yes, it does, and I'm actually in my brain thinking that maybe we need to really focus on what this teacher has done this year besides being gone, having gone through the ALSOP and teaching the skills that she was lagging. What are the strategies that she's now using in the classroom that are working for this child so that we can document them and continue to use them next year when she does have another teacher? That's that the ideal, it. I think. I mean, yeah. I think you want it to be... You want to believe that the solutions are going to stand up even if the personalities, as they almost inevitably do from year to year, change. I think a solution should be able to withstand personality differences, especially if it if the concerns of both parties are well known and the solution addresses those concerns and the solution is realistic and the solution is working then probably the biggest favor we could do next year's teacher is focus less on personalities and more on what we did this year that worked and, quite frankly, also what we have found doesn't work. And now personality isn't quite so important. Yes. Yes. That makes sense. The other thing that we're doing, um, because we are a research project in the district, that's how I was able to get the funding, we have looked at how we're going to uh, collect data. And so we're looking at a social responsibility scale on the 12 to 15 kids that we're working with. So we're starting that off now to start collecting data. Have you got a different way to suggest collecting data? Well, in in my school project here in Maine, where 14 different schools are implementing the model, geographically distributed throughout the state, we tend to do either, well, we tend to, in terms of aggregate data, we tend to focus on suspensions, detentions, discipline referrals. Some schools also track specific behaviors, um, and we tend to look at that on the, on the aggregate for a school. But then okay. the other way to do it is to have there be sort of a sort of a single case design for each kid. Each kid is his or her own baseline. And what you want to be tracking is especially as much as we want to track the degree to which skills are being taught. And there we wouldn't want to look at skills in general. We'd want to look at these specific skills we believe that we are targeting in that particular student because if we use all of the lagging skills on the ALSIP, um, we might not find much because the truth is we aren't targeting all of the skills on the ALSIP. But perhaps the best and most robust indicator of change actually isn't the lagging skills, but it's the unsolved problems and the degree to which, over the course of the school year, a variety of unsolved problems have been deemed solved and tracking the challenging behaviors of that student, whatever they were before you started, tracking those over time as well, so as to track the degree to which solving problems was associated with corresponding decreases in the challenging behaviors that the student exhibits. So I know that you mentioned 
an instrument that sounds to me a bit more like an aggregate, more generic measure, you, which would be perfectly fine. It's just that I find that those don't always tap into the massive changes that may actually be taking place within each individual student. Yeah, we had actually, uh, Ron had thought of a way to individualize it by using part of it and then, as you were saying, um, tracking the, the sort of the unsolved problems that have become solved on that same chart, like cutting it up and making it individualized for each student. Yep, I think that could be very interesting as well. So here's the deal. We've only got about 30 seconds left in the program. I am so glad that we were able to get to know Anytown Elementary School a little bit today. Um, let's plan, and I've emailed you so you can let me know if this works out. Let's plan on having you back on in two weeks. We've got the educators panel next week, but if you want to come back on the air on February 11th, which I believe is Monday two weeks from now, Oh, we're not, in, we're not in You're school, not in school, on that school that week, day? so we'll figure it out. But okay. uh, at some, but email me back, and we'll figure out when the next Anningtown Elementary School uh, program is going to be. We'll play your recording, and um, we're all looking forward to getting to know your school better and helping you get better at this, and in so doing, helping other schools get better at it. So thanks so much for calling in today. Thank you very much. Thanks, Rob. Thanks. Take care. And uh, that's going to do it for today's program as well. Glad you were able to listen in today. Talk to you next week when it's the educators panel. Look forward to it. Take care. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.